0: We're so glad you're here this morning. If it's your first week uh, and you missed last week, we started this new series. Charlie started a new series called Trees and Ladders, hence the ladder here, right? Um, And most of what we're talking about, kind of the theme for this, comes out of the book What Made Maddie Run by Kate Fagan. And there's this quote in there that Charlie mentioned last week, I wanna mention again in case you weren't here and you missed it, that's read like this. Listen, much of young adulthood is presented as a ladder each rung closer to success or whatever our society has defined as success. Perhaps climbing the ladder is tiring, but it's not confusing. You're never left wondering if you made the wrong choice or expended energy in the wrong direction, because there is only the one rung above you. Get good grades, get better at your sport, take the SAT, do volunteer work, apply to colleges, choose a college. But then you get to college and suddenly you're out of rungs and that ladder has turned into a massive tree with hundreds of sprawling limbs. And progress is no longer a thing you can easily measure because there are now thousands of paths to millions of destinations and none are linear. And so we wanted to do this series, Trees and Ladders, because many of us, me included, Charlie was like, Hey, can you come out and just share part one, kind of just at the beginning of my talk? Because my story too was of chasing ladders. But first, because I have ADD, I wanna share a funny story about ladders, okay? This story has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I want us to laugh, okay, right? I remember being at college at CCU, and in the summer I worked there on campus because it made good money and it just gave me something to do through the summer. And we were working, we were doing some electrical work, a lot of college students work on campus, probably some shouldn't be doing electrical work, Um, but my guy, I was with Jeremy, Jeremy got up on this ladder. We were in the girl's dorm rewiring some things. He was up in the ceiling, moved the drop ceiling and he's up there. And I always had this notion and was reminded that whenever there's an electrical shock and you're on a ladder, a ladder can be a what? A conductor. (laughs) So I always had this in the back of my mind that if something happens and someone's on the ladder, kick that thing out from under someone. Didn't have to tell me twice. Jeremy's up on the top of this ladder, he's doing some things, and then all all of a sudden I see legs shaking, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the moment, kick that thing out from under him, he drops and falls, words are said, what what was that about? I said, man, like, you know, like, that's the rule, like, if if you hit something, I gotta kick this out, or, you know, you're just gonna be recycling this thing over and over, right? He's like, man, I was just, I had an itch. So that story has nothing to do with what I'm about to talk about, but hey, we broke the seal, we're now comfortable now, right? Right? So some of you know me, some of you might not. Um, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, graduated high school in 1998. My gosh, it's a long time ago. Went to the University of Louisville uh, to pursue what I thought was where my course was to go, uh, basketball and just kind of doing that because I've always done that. Um, Got there quickly and realized that's not the life for me. and for a couple years while going to University of Louisville, I worked at, the, at UPS overnight to pay for that. I was heavily involved in a church that I grew up in called Northeast um, that was very much like Southbrook. I got involved in student ministry, and I had a mentor that spoke into me and said, Eric, I think you'd be great. You should really consider going to Cincinnati Christian and doing this with your life. Cool, man. That's, that's, that's great. Never thought I would ever do anything like that, so let's do that. So what I want to start off with is... The rung-based ladder was very much how I thought things went. Okay, I knew that I was gonna transfer to CCU. I had a very specific plan. Um, I wasn't gonna play basketball. I wanted to get through as quickly as possible because I'm transferring in late, two years later. Um, I just wanna get through classes, push through, and I wanna get to the workforce. I need to, I need to fi- get to my job, get into a ministry, and things will be good, okay? And so I start chasing the rung. I'm going to school, I'm doing my thing. Um, it changes a little bit. I decided to play basketball because I was bored to death sitting in the dorm during the day. So I did that for a couple years and made it through freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. Was loving it. Got into my major, major of theology, minor philosophy. Loved what I was doing. And it was Christmas, I remember this, of the year I was going to graduate. I was graduating in the spring. And so I'm getting my affairs in line, uh, pursuing job openings because I know graduation's coming. And going through all of that. Interview at a church in Indianapolis because I had a very specific plan that I wanted to do. And that plan that I wanted to do was to go into sports ministry, to be honest with you, sports and outreach. And there's this church in Indianapolis that had this sprawling campus, and I wanted to lead that because it kind of satisfied my athletic department days, and I loved doing that as well. So I had this plan for myself. Interviewed multiple times with this one church my now wife we were dating for a few years we knew this was gonna be our path we were gonna get married so she was a part of some of that and to the point of this church saying hey Eric you know what we want to we want you to be that person just plan for it put a deposit down an apartment here and uh, we'll get this going as soon as you graduate felt great it was awesome a couple weeks went by never heard from anyone left some messages and calls to make sure we're still good a month goes by and I get a call that the person that was hiring me, the, the guy I was going to work under, had some extramarital affairs. And, <laughs> and we're not pursuing this role anymore. This job is no longer open. Okay. I'm a month out from graduation. I'm on to the next one. And weird enough, the same thing happens. No joke something of character issues, and that position's not available, and graduation hits, and the ladder that I was pursuing, freshman, sophomore year, junior, senior year, graduate, send the resumes out, interview, get that job, graduation hits, and I have no idea what to do. And so we talk about if your ladder, here's where ladder climbing becomes an issue, because for me, the ladder became my mission and purpose and identity. Like without it, when I got there and I graduated and I had nothing, I spiraled big time. Charlie led a Bible study this Tuesday and he he shared some things that stuck out to me when I thought about my ladder climbing. That when you fall off the ladder like I did, I responded with resentment, anger, and bitterness. I was upset with God because I thought this was the path I was supposed to do. Shook my fist at him. And so when I fell off that rung, I call it my 10 years a decade of wilderness journey because I didn't know what to do. I was upset, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna forget ministry. I'm gonna go into other works and and do some things like that. Landscaping for a couple years. Office manager for a year, which I was miserable and depressed, it was awful. And a couple more years, doing more landscaping, running my own thing in Louisville, going into an athletic department. 10 years of what I call the wilderness. And scripture, the wilderness is what's used as as this thought of like testing, because no one wanted to be in the wilderness. The wilderness was viewed as evil lived there, darkness was there, danger was there, don't be there. And that's why Jesus goes out into the wilderness and dominates the wilderness. He shows us that you can, but I didn't know all those things because my identity was in ladder climbing. And so for 10 years, I got married in the midst of those 10 years. I had my first son, my first kid in those 10 years, and I was not healthy. My wife will tell you. And it was after about nine and a half years, that there was a small church in Louisville and a guy I knew was leading it. And he said, Hey, we lost our youth minister. Would you come in and be our guy? I said, absolutely not, Steve. I'm not doing ministry. He says, all right, well, you guys have been attending. Just help till we find someone. Okay, I can do that. Came in, helped for about a month, two months, three months. And I remember it like yesterday. We were at a Louisville bats game that night with him and some other friends. And he looks over to me, or I look over to him, and I said, Steve, hey, how's the search committee going? How's it going? You found someone yet? He goes, no. I said, what do you mean? He goes, we haven't been looking, Eric. (laughs) Was not happy. And I was like, what what are you talking about? He goes, you're the guy. And then slowly it changed, and I went, that's awesome. I want to do this. That was at 32 years old. And quickly, in the midst of that last year, I realized I was, I was fighting against God. I was fighting against what I thought was the way to go. And I said, God, here's the deal. I don't know why I'm fighting this. I belong to you. You know what's best. And even though this linear move, what I thought was the path forward, the tree life is everything. Because you may move up. And for me, for 10 years, I moved up and over, sideways and even down. But I knew in the midst of the tree, there's so much beauty if you just stop to recognize that God is with you there. And I didn't, I didn't. And I still have PTSD at times when I feel like I should be moving to different areas or moving on, when I just say, hey, here's where things shifted for me is where I said, my life, God, is yours. I'm here with open hands. Tell me where to go. And I say this because I know many of you sitting here today, absolutely, you've fallen off the ladder, maybe hard right now as you sit here. Maybe some, this is identity, mission, and purpose. Maybe some, you you push the mission, identity, and purpose to your kids, and they're now taking this on. This will only get you so far, right? We know, and there's nothing wrong with moving up. I'm not saying that. The problem is when moving up replaces who God is calling you to be, because I got so fixated on this that God had some other things that I missed out on even in the midst of my wilderness journey. And so, for me, stepping out on the limb, it is very much one of faith because you don't know. Here's why this is a temptation. Because for me, I feel like I can control this a little bit. And a tree, I have no idea. It's unpredictable. My next rung step is predictable. And I think that's what it was for me. And I don't want to take too much longer because we're going to do a segment here in a minute and jump into worship. But when COVID hit, it was a reminder that, man, I still had that latter life in the back of my head. And it's a constant reminder, it's a constant reminder every day. Do you believe these things, that your life is in God's hands? He walks with you everywhere you go. He is with you at all times. Even when you fall off the ladder and you don't know what's next, he is still with you. For me, it was saying, God, I am here, my life is yours. How can I just use me? And for a little bit, there was wilderness, and he said, can you be faithful here? Until I backed my way into ministry, is what I say. The friends were in it for decades, and I was always had this thing that I was decades behind. I get questions like, hey, Eric, do you want to lead your own church? Eric, do you want to do I'm like, here's the thing. I don't really care now, because all of this has been so exciting. I've been here for eight years and doing different things, and I'm just like, God, man, just whatever Southbrook needs and these people need, hands are open." And so what I say that for is I know you're feeling it. Many of you are feeling this. Can you sit, hands open, heart open, and say, Christ, I belong to you. Use me in the midst of right now, maybe you're in a wilderness. Maybe you don't know where your next rung is, and you need to pivot to looking at it as like a limb. And that Christ sits with you in that moment. He's with you. For me, the wilderness journey is what formed my character and helped me grow. If I went into ministry 10 years before that, I would have not been healthy and I would not want, I don't wanna see what that would have looked like. And I'm thankful for it. Here in a moment, the band's gonna come out and we're gonna do a couple more songs. And what I wanna encourage you to do is this, is the song that we're gonna sing is called, I Belong to Jesus. And I want you to think about the image of the ladder and the tree and many of society and life pushes us to the latter life. And I think a lot of the struggle is those around us encourage us to pursue the latter life. And it's hard to choose the tree life because everything around you is pushing you up the ladder. When life is lived out on a limb. And so let's pray and open yourself up to the words of this song. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you uh, for the journey you have brought me on. There's a lot of pain in it, there were tears of sadness, tears of rage. And I know many sitting here feel this. And while mine doesn't seem nearly as big as others, we all struggle with this. I pray right now we would open hearts, open hands, that as we sit and sing these words, Lord, that we, we believe it. We, it's a prayer over ourselves that, Lord, I belong to you. And I trust that you have me where you need me to be right now. And can I be faithful no matter where that spot is right now? Lord, we thank you that you exemplified this. Christ exemplified limb walking. That he was not at all about the next rung above him. He was all about the tree life, sprawling out into the communities he intersected with. Help us to live this way. Help us to live countercultural to the things around us, and to live for the kingdom. To be this massive, sprawling oak tree planet and the community we are in. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, You know, these students just
1: capture our hearts because they're facing pressures that I know my generation didn't face. And uh, it's been really cool to do a 10-week program with them. And uh, we're halfway through that. i got to say this, too. Eric Fleming is a superstar with students. And uh, one of the things that, that I've just, I've watched Eric, you saw him on that video with, that's with the varsity, and um, you, know, you heard his heart up here. It is genuine, and he uh, has a way with students that is really being utilized. And the reason I say that is because Eric actually leads our parents section of the player's box. Training the six-week training so that starts this Tuesday and the the cool thing about For you parents who come and you don't have to have a middle school or high school to to sign up for this You can do it if you're especially if you have a pre-elementary elementary elementary child and You don't want to screw them up too much then you might want to choose to come to this but uh, Eric leads that and um, I still fight back on that. I said I'm the old guy I don't think I should be talking to the students. I think Eric you should be but it is very valuable that he does that with the parents, and that starts this Tuesday. This Tuesday six weeks, and we'll be going through the curriculum. We're getting better at this and better at this. I think this is our 11th or 12th session uh, that we've done, and we would love for you to sign up for that and be here this Tuesday, starting this Tuesday at 6.30. We also have student ministry starting back up tonight with a gathering on the Hill. And students, you know this to be true, but you need somebody like me to remind you that your life in high school and college is largely defined the pe- by the people you're around. The people you choose to be around largely define who you become. I had one of our students told me, he said, I'm thinking about pledging to a fraternity. He's he's at a, at a large university now. He's a freshman, and he's going through some adjustment problems. and And uh, he said, but you know, they're all about sex and alcohol, and that's just not me. And I said, I'll just say Bart. That's not his name. But I said, Bart, remember, when you stick a white glove in the mud, the mud doesn't get glovey. The glove gets muddy. And I said, just be careful, because your life at this university will be largely defined by the people you choose to be around. It's just a fact of life. It's just the way it is. And bad company corrupts good character, good company deepens character. It's just the way it is. So these two opportunities are are huge, are huge, are huge. I had an amazing week. I had the cardiologist appointment on Thursday and it was really good. And I just gotta thank you again for prayer. I'd had the stress test the week before and I went well, but that was in between two major events. One was In the afternoon, our granddaughter Frankie was having a minor surgery, and I had texted my tennis buddies, and I had said, hey, I'm not at clinic this week because my granddaughter, pray for us, is having a minor surgery, and uh, one of my doctor friends in our tennis group, she said, she goes, Charlie, she's a doctor, she goes, Charlie, there there is no minor surgery. And there's really no minor surgery when it's your granddaughter. And it was true. And it, we were just a mess. We were just a mess. But earlier that morning, I had put my dog, had taken my dog to the vet and had my dog put down of 13 years. And um, this doesn't say much for dads, but Jerry and, and I have both had to make a decision about our dads when it was their time. We were the ones to do that. And we both the ones that took our dogs into the vet. And we both looked at each other and said, this was harder. And I say that because. What I'm about to read to you, I think, puts into perspective what life really is about. What life really is about. And and almost to the extent that the fact that my dear little buddy Rafa won't be cuddling up next to me like he always does, it, it really brought into a reality this series about the importance of ladders and trees, but especially trees. <laughs> and we'll show you what that is. Look at, look at this text. What we're doing in this series is uh, we're, picking out, we're picking out some selected sections of Philippians. And in Philippians 3, Paul is addressing people who say that salvation can only be attained by climbing ladders. In their case it was religious ladders, but salvation which by the way all ladder climbing is about salvation don't don't let anyone fool you it's about glory it's all about can i experience glory and the freedom of the soul by attaining what i want to attain it, it is and paul looks he, he writes to them from his cell in a roman prison and, and he says and i'm just going to read this in the message bible just because i read it in the niv last week that's about it friends be glad in god I don't mind repeating what I've written in earlier letters, and I hope you don't mind hearing it again. One of the best things about Players' Box is repetition. We tell the students, do it again, and do it again, until these habits become habit. (laughs) These these teachings become habit, and we we teach basically the same things here every Sunday. Why? It's because it's the importance of habit. C.S. Lewis said, we don't need to learn new things so much as we, we need to be reminded of the old things. Better safe than sorry. So here goes. Steer clear of the barking dogs. Why did I have to choose a text that had dog in it this week? I don't know why, but it just happened that way. Those religious busybodies all bark and no bite. In that culture, as it is true in many parts of the world today, dogs were not beloved friends and household pets. They were nuisances that were wild scavengers. And he compares the religious purveyors of salvation by attainment to a barking dog. They're interested in appearances, knife-happy circumcisers, I call them. uh, This gets real personal, but the the Judaizers, as they were called, believed that you could not be accepted by God unless you uh, had the the, the Israelite mark of circumcision on your body. It was all external stuff. The real believers are the ones the Spirit of God leads to work away at this ministry. Look at this. Filling the air with Christ's praise as we do it. We couldn't carry this off by our own efforts. And we know it. Even though we can list what many might think are impressive credentials. You know my pedigree legitimate birth circumcised on the eighth day israelite from the elite tribe of benjamin strict and devout adherent to god's law fiery defender of the purity of my religion even to the point of persecuting the church meticulous observer of everything set down in god's law book friends paul was at the top of the career ladder when it came to a jewish boy he was at the top of the ladder The very credentials all these people are waving around to something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash. Along with everything else I used to take credit for. The word for trash is the word for dung. It's literally excrement. I won't even tell you what colloquial word comes to mind that begins with a B and an S. It's it's, it's literally, it's it's the colloquialism he's using here. He said, that's just all BS. And why? Because of Christ. Yeah, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog-dung, compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything, I, I look at that again, I thought I had going for me is insignificant. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ God's righteousness. Now, now, I want you to think of this. What does this have to do with the career ascent? It has everything to do with the career ascent because a career ascent, when it's put first in your life, is your attempt to attain salvation on your own. It has everything to do with arts, academics, and athletics. Everything. Because all of that left to itself is a pursuit of self-glory, of self-salvation. It's everything to do with this. So I gave all that up to experience, look at this, his resurrection power. Be a partner in his suffering, go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get it on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. So you have this person who said, I was on that ladder. That his culture considered, oh, this is the path up and to the right. This was his Harvard. But he said, once heaven through Christ grabbed my heart, Harvard was no longer the priority. As many of you know, he literally ditched that path and took the path of being a servant that landed him in prison for Christ. I don't think that'll happen to you. But... The reason that you have to be intentional about this, Eric said it, is because everything in this culture says, well, that's just secondary. Everything just Paul said there is, a, is a secondary. I mean, that's important. You've got to have two pounds of God in a paper sack to go every day. Gotta have, everybody's got to have a little God in life. You know, we had kids. Let's go start going to church, because every kid needs a little God, needs a little God in their life. That's just the way people think. But here's the dilemma. Here's the dilemma. What do you do? if you're a Christian and you really don't believe what he just wrote, you really don't believe that what is primacy is Christ over all, through all and in all in my life. I am living with every heartbeat in in his rhythm of grace so much so that I have the power of his resurrection in my life right now, right now. I have a resilience that trumps results. Right now, I have a power and character that trumps any competencies I might develop. And that's a dilemma. And you gotta ask yourself, Southbrooker, do you really believe Philippians 3, 1 to 11? I think we all have to ask this question because the answer is, 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 is what do you do? Is you'll have to climb ladders until the ladders don't work anymore. If you don't believe that, climb your ladders. That's what I love, what, what, what Father Richard Rohr says. He says, in our language, he's saying, climb your ladders. Go for it in arts, academics, athletics, and et cetera, et cetera, do it. Because one day, the ladder's gonna break, you're gonna fall off the ladder, you can't do the ladder anymore. And then what? What do you have? Just losing my dog this week. My little, my little buddy reminded me of death trumps everything, by the way. Like if you don't have a hope in that, <laughs> there's no ladder on earth that matters. It trumps everything. I was reminded again of mortality. Uh, You know, last week we looked at this little dichotomy here that remember, 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 this is important. It's just not supposed to be primacy. So what happens is we get it out of order. Ladder climbing, the, the false self developing our abilities uh, that are measurable, competencies, the cravings of our soul based sometimes on just how God made us. We have these itches that need to be scratched to do some good in the world. It's good stuff, organized, all the things we do to, to make sure we, we are climbing the academic, artistic, a- athletic ladder, whatever it is. You know, we need to do that. Good, it's good. We need to do that. We are not saying with this series, burn all ladders. You know? It just doesn't stack up with this. When your dog dies, <laughs> fill in the blank, because that's when the condition of your soul and the things that are not measurable, your character kicks in. The things of life that are about operating from the strength of contentment in an organic reality that nothing you cannot you cannot you cannot organize the soul. You can only grow it. Uh, What do you do when, after climbing all the achievement ladders, one day you find yourself out on a limb and you've not trained for limb climbing? Because life isn't a ladder. Life is a tree. And one day you're going to wake up and you realize, all I've done is make myself better at climbing ladders, but I've never developed my soul. And what Paul's saying there is nothing when it came to the ascent to glory, to the ascent of salvation, nothing, nothing. All the ladder climbing in the world doesn't measure up to to a relationship with Christ where I'm walking with him every day, and I'm learning to climb the uncertain trees of life with him every day. And while I'm doing that, he rubs off on me, and I have the power of his resurrection. Nothing compares to that. I know it's hard to, it's hard to take someone seriously who quotes Dr. Seuss. I know that, but some of you remember, if we had a Dr. Seuss, if we had an official Dr. Seuss poem of trees and ladders, it would be, you'll be on your way up, you'll be seeing great sights, you'll join the high flyers who soar to great heights, you won't lag behind because you'll take the lead. You'll pass all the gangs because you'll have the speed. Wherever you go, you'll be the best of the best. Wherever you fly, you'll top all the rest. Anybody know the next line? Except when you don't. Because sometimes you won't. I'm sorry to say so, but sadly it's true that bang-ups and hang-ups can happen to you. You can get all hung up in a prickly perch. Your gang will fly off. You'll be left in the lurch, and you'll come down from the lurch with an unpleasant bump. And chances are then you'll be in a slump. And when you're in a slump, you're not in for much fun because unslumping yourself is not easily done. Is that not true about life, friends? Well, that's the well-known part of all oh, the places you'll go that every graduate gets. You know, it's on the bestseller list every year. You know the part that, that really speaks truth that is not as well-known is, remember this part? You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer your life in direction you choose. You're on your own, and you know what you know, and you're the guy who'll choose where to go show be sure when you step you step with great care because a uh, great tact because you'll learn that life's a great balancing act isn't that good you'll soon learn that life's a great balancing act then he says this will you succeed oh yes you will indeed that's 98 and 3 percent guaranteed and every time i read that which as you can tell, I read it often. (laughs) I always think of the fact that it's the 1.25% that gets us, isn't it? That it's that, yeah, life's a tree, and it's a balancing act. It's not just this ascent upwards. All you got to do is hold on to the next rung and climb that. It's actually a tree where one day you're going to find yourself out on a limb, and it's, it's the part where it has nothing to do with success. That's what gets most people most successful people don't fall because they lose their competencies. It's because they didn't have the characters to support their competencies. Correct? And that's that's when the random, twisting reality of life, that's when you'll be confronted with I didn't train for I didn't train my child I didn't train me for tree climbing. Our focus was so much on results, we didn't think about resilience. Our focus was so much on competencies, we didn't really, 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 we just wanted them to tell the truth, but we didn't really think about depth of character. Well, I'll tell you this, parents. Uh, the reason I would say you need to sign your children up for player's box and you need to get in, in this community and this journey with us is because you, you will want to choose resilience over results and character over competency, and you will want to choose Christ over all of it someday for your child. Yeah. Someday. Someday. That's, that's all that will matter is Christ. Overall, and through all, and in all. And I don't know, you know, I don't know what life's throwing your way right now, but one day you're going to be out on a limb, and all the wrong training you did won't matter. Uh, the way David Brooks put this is he put it this way. He's a writer and speaker at Yale. And he said this, he said this, he goes, I've lived much of my life in the secular culture and it is achievement-oriented, results-based, competency-honoring culture. And it starts early, of course, sort of crushes our kids. He says, if you go to the elementary schools in my local neighborhood, you see the kids coming out at 3 in the afternoon. They've got those 80-pound backpacks on. If the wind tips them over, they're like beetles sort of stuck there on the ground with their legs flailing in the air. They get picked up from school by creatures I call Uber moms who are highly successful career women who have taken time off to make sure all their kids get into Harvard. You can tell the Uber moms because they actually weigh less than their own children. They got little yoga mats stapled to their hips. During pregnancy, they're taking so many soy-based nutritional formulas. Their babies plop out these gigantic 14-pound toothless defensive linemen. Boom, there. Uber parents are... Dads, maybe even more so, performance-oriented than moms, cutting the umbilical cord, flashing little mandarin flashcards at the kids, getting them ready for Harvard. And these kids turn into the junior workaholics of America. By the time they've applied to school, they've started six companies, cured three formerly fatal diseases, and they're playing and mastering obscure sports like Frisbee golf. When I ask my students, what are you doing during spring break? It's like, you know, I'm unicycling across Thailand while reading to lepers, that sort of thing. That's what I'm doing on my spring break. And that sort of thing. And they have tremendous faith in themselves. In 1950, the Gallup organization asked high school seniors, are you a very important person? At that point, 12% said yes. They asked the same question in 2015, and 80% said, I'm a very important person. Americans are score 25th in the world in math, but if you ask Americans, are you really good at math? We're number one in the world at thinking we're really good at math. Time Magazine asks Americans, are you in the top 1% of the nation's earners? 19% of Americans believe they're in the top 1% of American earners. So we have a lot of self-confidence, and we do it to ourselves. And we have a great desire for glory and fame. Fame used to be quite low as a value. Now fame is the second most desired quality in young people. They did a study. Would you rather be president of Harvard or Justin Bieber's personal assistant? And by a three-to-one margin, people would rather be Justin Bieber's personal assistant than the president of Harvard University. Though to be fair, I asked the president of Harvard this question, and she said she would rather be Justin Bieber's (laughs) personal assistant than the president of Harvard. So this is an achievement culture, a culture of people striving and trying to, in our language, climb the ladder, win the ladder game. And the way I express this contrast, this hunger for success, is by two sets of virtues, which you would call resume virtues and eulogy virtues. And resume virtues are the things you bring to the marketplace that you put on a resume like, hey, here's my IQ, here's my SAT score, here are my degrees acquired, here are my awards won, here are my ladders climbed, here's my network. But you can have a really impressive resume and be a rotten person. You can have an enviable resume and have a really bad life. It's happening every day all around you. Eulogy virtues are the qualities that people talk about when somebody dies. What kind of person were you? Love, joy. Peace, humility, servanthood, generosity. In secular culture, we all know the eulogy virtues are more important, but we spend more time on the resume virtues. He writes, most of us have clearer strategies for how to achieve career success than we do how to develop a profound, sustainable, resilient character. Parents. Parents. What would your kid say is most important? No, 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 no. Not what you say is most important. By how you live, what's really going to matter? What's really going to matter? Now, would you like a strategy for tree climbing? You got to come back next week because I want to talk about it. I've run out of time. Next week, I'm going to give you what I think is a strategy for you and your family and your children to be tree climbers. That even when you're out on a limb, you don't need to be afraid because you belong to Jesus. And you live it every day. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. And I'll see you next week. All right? Father just amazing, life is amazing, it's not a a, a ladder that is linear, it is a reality that has thousands of paths with millions of destinations, and one day, we find ourselves on a limb that is snapping, what then, what have we trained for then? Jesus didn't wake up one day and go, I'm ready to face a cross. He trained his whole life to hang and in front of his tormentors say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The ultimate tree climber on a tree showed us what the goal is. Showed us how to live and how to die. The ladders are good, but they're not the most important. And so today, if this were the last Sunday we would ever be together, I would pray that every one of the Southbrookers here leave here and leave when they close their laptop in their kitchen right now, they would hear this message, Christ above all. Christ, I wanna know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of being like him in his death so that I can get in on resurrection from the dead right now. And everyone who said, I want that, in Jesus' name, said with me, amen. 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 See you next week, everybody.